Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Tonight, we're talking here at 11.20 p.m. Eastern Time, live from Columbus, Ohio. We are talking Monday Night Football. Chiefs had a pretty resounding 34-20 victory over the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, after I get to some of the snaps of fantasy football takeaways from the game, just general thoughts, uh, we are going to go over some uh, waiver wire stuff to uh, you know capitalize on some of the injuries from week three and just you know w- new workload situations that have revealed itself. So you know, first starting off with this game again, great win for the Chiefs. They jumped all over the Ravens, and you know we haven't seen Lamar Jackson have to play from behind a lot. Usually, still manages to put up big time fantasy points when he does, as we saw. You know in the AFC a divisional round last year but wasn't quite his night here and you know looking at the overall passing numbers for Lamar uh, it's going to make a lot of these trolls online that are always shouting out about him being a running back uh, pretty happy I mean Lamar went ahead and went 15 for 28 for just 97 yards and touchdown now, as is often the case, the stats uh, just don't tell the whole story sometimes. You got to watch the uh, good old film as well. And, you know, could have been a lot bigger game. Now, Lamar did n- not help his own cause on a lot of that. I mean, Marquise Brown could have had, you know, potential 100 yards and two extra touchdowns uh, just with what was going on there. Uh, beat his man badly twice off the line of scrimmage. Lamar failed to put the ball out, ball out in front of him. I mean, even if they weren't going to be touchdowns, I mean, still a situation where it could have had an extra 80 yards or so. So that was unfortunate. But on the other side of things, Mark. Andrews had one like big 25-30 yard drop down the seam and then another potential touchdown uh, in the end zone that Lamar put on him but he was not able to come down with so uh, you know certainly wasn't the best game from Lamar and just seemed really erratic at times back there where maybe if it was just their uh Five wide formations because I know there was a uh, uh, you know a bunch of stats in preseason about just how Lamar and this Ravens offense and five wide receivers would just be way more efficient than anyone else because of the threat Lamar is as a true running back. Even when you have five wide receivers out there, you still got to respect the run. But you know, seeing on a few occasions where the Chiefs were sending a uh, funky blitzes and you know still only rushing four guys but managing to get one free, and you had Lamar pretty much just taken off in a dead sprint from the snap. So uh, you know, just didn't quite have a, a good rhythm in the passing game all night long and that's what happened you know with only uh, 97 yards so uh, did have two turnover worthy plays uh, thrown in there as well and yeah you know official count on that uh, per PFF was five drops on the evening uh, for the Ravens pass catchers so again it wasn't Lamar's best game you know I'm not trying to say uh, that the guy uh, deserves you know credit in this loss but you know certainly didn't get the help we usually see him get as is the case though uh, you know in Lamar's uh, bad games still not all that bad in fantasy football land eight carries 84 yards uh, no scores on the ground continuing to look like one of the fastest players on the field more time than not sticking with this Ravens running game I mean it's just a mess here kind of week to week with this you know mini committee they do have going on here in Baltimore I mean last year it was pretty much Ingram and Gus Edwards a little bit of Justice Hill here and there but it was definitely more of a Mark Ingram as a 50% plus snap guy. And this year, we're just not quite seeing that uh, same system. I mean, J.K. Dobbins played 22 snaps out there. Mark Ingram just 15 snaps. And Gus Edwards 12 snaps. So you would think, okay, great. J.K. Dobbins is looking like the leader in there. But really, J.K. Dobbins was just being used as their two-minute back, which is cool. But look, I don't think we're going to see too many games this year when uh, you know the Ravens are going to be trailing uh, by multiple scores throughout. And Mark Ingram did still have seven carries. Gus Edwards had four Dobbins only had that one rush attempt and, uh, you know, credit to Dobbins for uh, making some great plays in the passing game, uh, you know, late in the game in particular. I mean, when they get him the ball in space, uh, he can do a lot with it and he ended up making the most of his uh, four targets uh, caught all 
Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, call four of his targets for 38 yards uh, with 19 of those coming after the catch. So he looks great when they get the ball to him in the open field. But again, it's just one of these things where we've seen more weeks than not. Lamar Jackson isn't targeting his running backs a ton. And it's just going to be hard for him to, you know, leap Mark and even Gus in this uh, rush attempt, uh, uh, just pecking order at the moment. So uh, J.K. Dobbins, 2021 is going to be great uh, once Mark Ingram probably moves on, doesn't get a contract extension at Baltimore. Maybe he does, and I'm wrong. But uh, that's the time I think that, you know, dynasty investors and, you know, redraft people should be aiming for. I'm not saying he won't have useful weeks. This offense is probably going to be a top five scoring unit, but I'm just not sure if we're going to see, you know, that sort of high, high end RB2 value we were hoping for in year one. Mark Ingram, I mean, look, it's, it's hard for anyone this offense in this sort of game where Lamar is to throw a little more than usual and he's always taken off as well. So uh, I think Ingram's going to continue to be around that uh, RB2 borderline upside uh, RB3 potential. But, you know, last year when he scored those 15 touchdowns and, you know, really did look like he had plenty of uh, gas up in the tank. Not saying he looks bad out there, but it's just a situation where we are seeing Gus and Dobbins eat into it enough where now Mark's uh, workload is even guaranteed on a week-to-week basis. So, And shout-out to Gus Edwards. Not, it's not like he's this you know annoying player uh, out there that shouldn't be getting these touches. I mean, you know, going into this game, he was second in the NFL in uh, yards after contact per rush. So he's been playing well, and you know his whole career, he's been a really efficient back. And uh, you know we saw that uh, tonight. He busted a really long run um, on one of his uh, four carries, ended up getting 39 yards on those attempts. So credit to Gus for doing his thing, but it's a good real life problem when you have uh, these three good backs but not quite as much in fantasy land uh with the wide receivers mentioned with marquise brown i mean could have had two potential deep touchdowns if not the touchdowns uh at least long plays and uh, yeah, it just wasn't great for him. And we've seen him do better this year with Lamar. It's not like that, uh, you know, this was just a same old, same old after three weeks. They really were showing a lot better chemistry uh, early on. Unfortunately, tonight, you know, two catches for 13 yards on six targets. We were hoping that maybe these sort of bus games would be out of their system in the year two, uh, you know, together. But it's looking like that could still be a little bit of a problem in this run first offense. And, you know, Lamar is going to have better days. I mean, come on, this is not, it's not like we've seen Lamar just consistently fail to throw the ball like this in their uh, losses. I mean, how against the Titans when they lost in the AFC Divisional round. That was another game where we just had an absurd amount of drops throughout the entire time and uh, not even to mention just some of the struggles uh, the Titans had stopping them uh, you know, just between the 20-yard lines. I mean, Lamar still put up. I lose over 500 total yards on his own that game. I understand this one wasn't great and, you know, it's prime time, big spot. Everyone's talking about it, but there are going to be much better days ahead for this Ravens offense. Uh, same goes for Mark Andrews. I mean, look, he's not going to drop uh, these sort of touchdowns and you know Nick Nick Boyle ended up being the one that did catch the lone touchdown from Lamar so you know Marquise Brown Mark Andrews are going to have better days I do think you know this sort of performance it is a sign that hey it is a somewhat crowded offense and you know we shouldn't be expecting too much from Miles Boykin or Devin Duvernay although Duvernay I mean shout out to him a like, nice kick return touchdown no real jukes I mean we didn't make many guys miss out there he just more or less used his speed hit the open gap and took it uh, to the house showing off the 4-4 speed he hit at the combine so you know, Ravens got some playmakers out there. We know Willie Sneed's always going to be uh, getting a few looks per game as well. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we'll even see Justice Hill eventually uh, or someone else added to the fold. But I, I still think it's going to be Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, and obviously Lamar Jackson uh, moving forward. I'm still treating those guys as, you know, starts and more matchups than not. And then on to the uh, victors side of the ball, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I think the biggest takeaway from this is just the overall play calling. And this is what really makes the Mahomes experience so unfair. And you look at his numbers over these past few years and the chances he's been taking, and we think of them as just 
this complete gunslinger. The guy can throw the ball out of the football stadium. He must be throwing it deep all the time. And yeah, he certainly doesn't have a Drew Brees uh, deep ball rate or anything like that. But it's also a situation where he doesn't even have to force the ball into tight windows. He's routinely ranked in the bottom half of quarterbacks and PFF's database and percentage of passes into tight windows because one, he's smart enough to take what's there. And two, the play calling and the talent on this team are so good that he doesn't even have to try this craziness. So, you know, just some of the things they did this game, you know, with some of the trick plays, the wildcat reversal, Mahomes, he ended up just dumping it off, but they were looking for a big one. He had a funky underhand shovel pass to uh, Anthony Sherman, their fullback, for a touchdown. They end up, uh, you know, capping off the scoring with a touchdown pass to a tackle eligible Eric Fisher. So, you know, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Tyree Kill, you have Travis Kelsey, Clyde Bersolaire, all this talent all over the field, and the offensive coaches are still giving them that schematic advantage that you just don't see elsewhere. So it truly is an embarrassment of riches in Kansas City from both the personnel and the coaching departments, and you absolutely love to see it if you're a Chiefs fan and or investing in this offense. Because, I mean, just more and more numbers being put up. This was easily Mahomes' best game of the season. It was good to see after, you know, week one, uh, strong performance against the Texans, but not just the blow-up performance. We're kind of used to seeing uh, obviously struggle a little bit against the Chargers, but not tonight. 31-42, 385 yards, four touchdowns through the air, racked up three big-time throws uh, per PFF's uh, advanced metrics, and you know, averaging 9.2 yards per attempt. And it was like any time the Ravens did finally get him the third down, the situation where, okay, maybe they're going to get him off the field. No, Mahomes was able to scramble and make things happen there. Four rush attempts for 26 yards and a score. Uh, it's unfair that this guy is that good when the play breaks down because truly not a weakness to his game. And, you know, this is why, uh, you know, at least I, I am. I know I'm partial to off-script quarterbacks. I mean, definitely, you know, one of those guys that drank the Johnny Manziel uh, NFL Kool-Aid back in the day. But it's just because you you think, okay, if someone can be that good, you know, off script and the thing breaks down, uh, can they maybe learn to operate inside the offense as well? And Mahomes, I think, is the best example of that in the entire league right now. Uh, looking at the running back situation... Um, Clyde Ebersolaire continues to you know, be the guy, but it's not like he's dominating this backfield to just a ridiculous ex- extent. 44 uh, snaps. Darrell Williams was at 14. Darwin Thompson also at 6. So you know, that's a solid 70% snap rate, and we're looking... When we're getting that inside the Kansas City offense, that's fantastic. So uh, it's not a huge problem or anything like that. And he still did, uh, was the lead bell cow in terms of just uh, rushing attempts and touches, which is ultimately what matters. So I know personally, sometimes I uh, pay a little too much attention to the snaps. So uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire getting 20, 20 rush attempts, Darwin and Darrell only two each. I mean, he is the guy. And uh, Clyde, even though it wasn't uh, a spectacular performance on the stat sheet, I mean, 20 carries, 64 yards, uh, no scores on the ground. And then he uh, had. Uh, five catches for 70 yards through the air. So it wasn't huge and, you know, didn't wasn't able to uh, find the end zone on the evening. But, I mean, he had a spin move on this uh, one catch he had that was filthy. Uh, continues to really show off uh, some really just uh, awesome missed tackle juice. I haven't uh, calculated who the leader was in week three uh, forced missed tackles, but I believe Clyde Ebersolaire, he was up there in week one. I do think it was Josh Jacobs. And then uh, in week two, we had Austin Eckler. So will be a fun thing to keep an eye on. I, I know broken tackles don't get you uh, fantasy points, but I do think they are a sign of who is you know, truly a good player and capable of uh, still balling out when the situation isn't awesome and who isn't. And it is trending towards uh, Clyde Edwards-Solaire being one of those players where even when the game script isn't great, he can still put up plenty of numbers. So a uh, good game by him. And again, that spin move was just nasty. Uh, reminiscent of the one he had against uh, Bama last year. Uh, yeah, 
again, Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams, pretty much afterthoughts. Darwin had a fumble, and it seemed like we did see a little bit more of Daryl later. But if something does happen to Clyde, I don't think we're going to see, you know, any one of these backs take over. Okay, you know, if it's a two-back committee in Kansas City, we're still going to pay attention to fantasy. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where, you know, you're going to be burning half your fab or anything like that. Uh, moving on to receivers, Tyree Kill uh, had a really good game. They, you know, first play of the game, they got him a reverse. Obviously, they want to get him involved. Five catches, 77 yards, and a score. The touchdown was beautiful. And I mean, he is so, obviously he's so fast. I mean, fastest player in the NFL, I think anyone would pretty much say. But his deep ball tracking and contested catchability is so underrated. And, you know, anytime they get uh, that offsides and Mahomes able to keep the play going, you know he's chucking downfield to Tyreek and just countless times where he's able to come back to the ball, jump up, and make that one-on-one uh, contested catch. So, again, it's unfair what he can do just with speed and agility on his own, but uh, truly is particularly unfair when you pair up this dude with uh, Mahomes. So, uh, Sammy Watkins was not uh, all that involved. No, he did get out there uh, and play. And, okay, you know, looking at the stats, I guess I underestimated it. Seven, caught seven of eight targets from 62 yards, did not find the end zone. He did get stopped like the one yard line, but really the star of the show, surprisingly, was uh, Mr. Mecole Hardman. Uh, was able to g- get right past the secondary for one deep touchdown and had a second one so close to being a score, but uh, wasn't able to bring it in. I think he probably should have caught it. Mahomes could have put it a little bit better, but you know what? You get a hand on it in the NFL, you should probably be coming down with that more times than not. But anyway, uh, four catches, 81 yards, and a score. Problem is, though, everyone, you look at the snaps, and it's just still not a situation where I think we can expect too much this moving forward. I mean, he only had 20 snaps, uh, you know, as a true receiver and a passing down. Sammy was at 41, and, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill's obviously dominated two at 39, and we still got Demarcus Robinson out there with 27. So even though Miko Hardman had the great game, he was still number four in this Chiefs offense and snaps. You know, I have not let go of Miko Hardman uh, in most of my leagues just this yet because he truly is the one kind of wide receiver handcuff and fantasy football where if any of Tyreek, Sammy, or Demarcus Robinson go down, uh, we're going to see big things because, again, it's not like we have these examples of Miko getting a bunch of targets and touches and not making any good use of it. He continuously does. It's just a matter of getting the snaps on the field to have these opportunities. So clearly Mahomes likes throwing him the ball. I hope, you know, as the season progresses, we see them just naturally start to phase him in more. But for the time being, he's still not going to be a, a recommended starting option more weeks than not. Uh, Travis Kelsey, just another good game. He looks so good this year. I mean, I was thinking maybe at some point we would see him uh, drop off a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Caught a six or seven targets for 87 scoreless yards. And again, just the yak ability is looking as good as ever. Uh, you know, you worry about these tight ends because it's just such a physically demanding position. But, you know, kudos to Kelsey for staying healthy uh, over these past few years and uh, continuing to ball out. So uh, Anthony Sherman caught a nice touchdown, uh, uh, underhanded shovel thing from Mahomes. And they gave him the ball on a fourth and one and got stuffed. They've done this before this year. Why are you taking the ball out of Mahomes' hand on fourth and one? And look, I mean, every single coach in Kansas City knows more about football, you know, and they're a little finger than I do. I'm not trying to say these guys are, uh, you know, t- uh, too out of the picture. I'm sure Andy Reid and company had a good reason for calling these plays, but I, 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 I think we should just be done with it. You know, no more Anthony Sherman on fourth and one. Let the guy block for someone else. As, as fun as it is to get fullbacks the ball, uh, I just don't know, everyone. Seems a little bit iffy to me. So, fun Monday night game. I mean, wasn't, you know, the kind of Rams-Chiefs classic from a few, uh, from a few uh, years back that, you know, really captured everyone's imagination, but Still a very good one. I think we're looking at likely the two top teams in the AFC with all due respect to the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots. So 
Going to move on to some waiver claim stuff now. Right after, uh, we give a quick shout-out to our sponsors over here at Underdog Fantasy. If you like fantasy football, you need to be playing on Underdog Fantasy. I love it. Great new fantasy football app, uh, website app, customer service. Whole thing is fantastic. They're constantly updating and adding new features. So go look up Underdog Fantasy on your app store or go to underdogfantasy.com. Use code PFF after you do to let them know that I sent you. Love to find folks over there, Underdog Fantasy. All right, I'm some waiver stuff. So, uh, you know, we're going to have... More injury information on Wednesday after the practice reports come in, but for now we at least can look at some of these top ads. You know, I just went on uh, went on Yahoo and just kind of looked across the general um, league availability for you know who's being added the most and who is available in more leagues than not. So uh, some guys that I think just. Um, I'm going over about eight to ten guys are just that I think are going to be popular uh, targets in these waiver columns. You know, if we should be buying or selling the hype behind them. So first up, uh, Vikings rookie wide receiver Justin Jefferson. I'm buying him as a potentially viable guy moving forward. And look, I don't think he's going to be in your starting lineup. You know, if your entire team's healthy, but with all these injuries and with uh, plenty of bye weeks coming up, he is now the number two receiver in this offense. I mean, this was not a situation like tonight where Michael Hardman just made the most out of his backup role. This was a situation where Justin Jefferson leaped up to be the second wide receiver in this target, in this offense. I mean, weeks one and two, only three targets in each game, 69%, 54% snaps, because BC Johnson was playing alongside Adam Thielen in two wide receiver sets. Justin Jefferson was their slot receiver. That changed this week. It went up to nine targets and 78% snap rate for Justin Jefferson, working primarily as an outside wide receiver, not in the slot. And accordingly, BC Johnson only played 8% snaps, and Chad Beebe jumped up to 34% in the snaps. So, you know, a lot of numbers there, but just all you need to know. When they're out there now on the field, it's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Previously, it was Thielen and B.C. Johnson. This is a two-tight end heavy offense with Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith. So now is the season to take a chance on Justin Jefferson. The guy looked great out there. I mean, seven, I caught seven of nine targets for 175 yards and a score. Show contested catchability, yak ability, and really looked like one of these... I'm not necessarily comparing him to, you know, Chris Goblin and uh, uh, what's the other good example? Chris Goblin and um, Tyler Lock is a good one, I would say, but just these primary slot receivers. And, you know, there are other guys like, you know, Russell Gage or Colby, so that, okay, maybe they can't win quite as often on the outside. But I think Jefferson could be more in that Goblin mold where, you know, we don't need to really worry about where they're lining up on the field. They're a baller and they're going to make plays. So, you know, I think anytime you can get a player in this Vikings offense, the targets are going to be a little bit more inconsistent than we like. I mean, even playing from behind in these first three weeks, Kirk, uh, constantly, Kirk Cousins hasn't thrown 30 pass attempts in a game but you know it's a talented player as the number two wide receiver and potentially the number two pass game target as a whole uh, in this offense moving forward so I am fine you know spending again I'm not going to spend a ton of fab on uh, Justin Jefferson but I don't know you know 15 uh, 20 dollars 15 20 percent something like that seems reasonable for a guy that again can provide you some potential spike weeks moving forward uh running back Rex Burkhead Three touchdowns last week, a team-high 46% snaps. Sony Michelle was at 38%. J.J. Taylor, 22%. Honestly, Sony, to me, looked like the best running back uh, out there in that game. And I'm not a Sony stand by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's looked very good at all over the past few years. But he looked damn good to uh, damn good on Sunday. And, you know, credit to him for putting it together. I know Damian Harris is eligible to uh, come off the IR here uh, starting week four. But Sony's playing well. And, you know, I look today because I think sometimes 
sometimes yards after contact can get uh, inflated. A guy, you know, just breaks a tackle with the line of scrimmage and runs for 70 yards. He's going to have a really high yards after contact per attempt, even though maybe a lot of it came on one. So I look at who has the highest percentage of carries with at least two yards after contact in 2020. And the top guys before uh, the Monday night game were Chris Carson, Austin Eckler, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, and Mr. Sony Michelle. You know, shout out to uh, Mount, both Montgomery and Michelle, who are more more or less uh, you know written off after some really rough uh, 2019 seasons. Both guys are playing some great ball, but yeah, back to Rex. No, I'm not buying this one. It's just the role change of the week, and it wasn't like he was just featured heavily over these guys at the one yard line. It was a week where Cam. Didn't get his usual touches, and James White was still out, you know, dealing with his uh, losses in the family. So, really, Rex is fine if James White remains out, but once James White gets back in, it, it's going to be a no for me. I mean, Rex, with James White, since he joined the Patriots in 2017, is averaging 8.7 uh, PPR points per game in three games without, 20.9. Uh, James White with Rex is at 12 points per reception per game in 15 games without. He's at 16.6. So both guys become more than viable options when the other, other is out, but when we get that muddled, you know, four-back committee, particularly now a Cam back under center, you know, providing way more of a rushing threat than Brady ever did, uh, it's going to be a lot more tough for uh, Russia to come by. So, hey, I mean, Rex, next week, I mean, if James White is confirmed again out, he might be uh, in that upside uh, RB2, I mean, RB3, maybe even RB2 borderline, like 25, 26 or something. But it's still a fluid situation. And, uh, again, if James White is back, Rex is not going to be a recommended start. Uh, T. Higgins is kind of in that Justin Jefferson mold where I think we can more feel better about taking a chance on him because it wasn't just the Mecole Hardman big game with uh, uh, still the same amount of snaps. He actually took over for John Ross as a starting receiver in this offense. Only played 22% snaps in Week 1, then up to 65% Week 2, and 79% in Week 3 with 9 targets. He only has a long of 18 this year. He's only averaging five yards per target, but I think that's a little more indicative of the, you know, struggles the Bengals have had, uh, you know, slowing down opposing pass rushes and just uh, in general, you know, being able to get the ball downfield to this point. So, you know, the two scores were great, and him and Burrow have shown some good chemistry. I love the fact he's wearing, you know, the Ocho Cinco uh, 85 out there, and, you know, I don't think enough receivers these days are wearing uh, numbers in the 80s. Let me be the old man that yells at the cloud. But, you know, Burrow has the most dropbacks in the entire league. Right now, there's going to be some production for all three of, uh, you know, Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd. It's not going to be the most consistent. I mean, the Bengals are going to have some duds. You know, I think one of the lessons from kind of that Gardner Minshew uh, performance last week and that letdown is that with these teams that we know we're going to you know finish with uh, four five maybe six wins we can't be too confident in you know their weekly upside but we do at least know in this sort of pass happy offense Higgins can provide some value so again you know as a bench spot where you might need a week or two you can do worse than a talented player that has an every down role like Higgins uh, Nick Foles I mean dropping dimes out there I don't think he's a viable you know redraft um, one QB league starter at the moment because you look at their schedule up next is the Colts defense that has allowed the fewest passing yards in the league right now. And they got the Buccaneers. After that, it gets more reasonable. Panthers, Rams, Saints, and Titans. But even then, I think, you know, more two QB league target. He looked great out there. He could have had legit five touchdowns in the second half if uh, A-Rob had, you know, allowed, not let that contested catch get picked. And Anthony Miller also dropped one between the numbers. But, you know, I, I just think we've seen enough from Foles over these past uh, few years that, you know, he can put together these hot stretches. But to kind of expect consistent top 10 top 12 production out of the gate in an offense that, you know, still isn't exactly overwhelming with playmakers um, might be a little bit extreme. So, you know, for two QB and super flex leagues, like great, let's uh, do it, you know, pick on these uh, good matchups when they arise. But otherwise I wouldn't pay too much attention to it. 
and the Isabella. So he falls in the Miko Hardman camp of something that we should not really expect to keep going. Caught two touchdowns last week, and he's been great uh, throughout his you know short career in Arizona. I mean, he made my uh, preseason article list for you know who's every team's most underused player. But you know he was only at forty percent snaps last week. Keyshawn Johnson was actually the one that stepped in and played the more full time role with Christian Kirk out. So uh, you know hopefully you you would like to think that a guy that's caught fifteen of twenty targets for three hundred three yards, three touchdowns, fifteen point two yards per target. And, you know, I understand it's a little bit inflated by a few big plays, but at some point, you got to give Isabella credit for making those big plays. So you would hope that the talent's going to win out eventually. But as we've seen, you know, with Miko Harvin over these past two years, uh, not always the point. And I don't want to keep picking on Miko Harvin. I got to come up with a different uh, adjective for this type of player. But uh, I do think Isabella is someone that's not going to be worth uh, going back to, you know, even if Christian Kirk remains out. Uh, he's going to be a thin play in more weeks than not. Uh, Alan Lazard, this is one where I think we should feel pretty good about because, okay, even if Devontae Adams comes back soon, it doesn't look like he's going to be out all that long. Uh, seemed pretty close to playing Sunday night. I mean, Rodgers is just absolutely balling. This offense looks great. You know, I've, you know, taken the L early. Maybe they just regress and, you know, end up becoming like this, uh, you know, the kind of eight and eighteen that we all thought they were you know destined to come back to, and you know what? I didn't think they could you know maintain that ten and one record in one score games from last year. They got one on a Sunday night, but they might just not need him a lot of time because this is your uh, league's number one scoring offense right now after three weeks. And again, super high play action rate. They're doing great. And you look at this upcoming schedule. You got the Falcons, the Bucks are tough. Then you get the Texans, Vikings, 49ers. We'll see if they're healthier by then. The Jaguars. It's it's a situation where if Adams remains out, okay, we're talking about Lazarus potential, you know, wide receiver too. And if if uh, Adams comes back in, okay, he's still going to be this boomer bust upside wide receiver three, the way uh, Rodgers' offense is operating. So uh, these are the types of players we want to have on the bench. And, you know, because, okay, you're not going to feel great about playing Lazarus until we get a couple more of these performances. I get it. But you don't want it to be a situation where, you know, you just can't even find the guy in the field. Uh, we want guys like Lazarus, like Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins now, where at a minimum they're out there running the routes and they have a chance to you know get the ball even if the plays aren't you know being actively designed for them with the tr more true number one in their offense. Uh, just four more people to get through here. Jimmy Graham. I'm selling it. I'm out. You know, kudos to him for catching three touchdowns already, but he's averaging, you know, 5.7 yards per target, career worst, 55% catch rate. Cole Komet, their uh, second round pick, is, uh, you know, splitting the snaps uh, with 30, about 30%, and Graham's at 70, so it's not even like a true, true full time role. I just think tight end is so deep as it goes. I mean, we've seen this story with Graham. He's making good contested catches, but I mean, it's not like his athleticism has come back. So, you know, give me a tight end that's not th turning 34 in a few months. Uh, Brandon Nyack for the 49ers. So he does seem to have a pretty solid full-time role, 72%, 73% uh, snaps in back-to-back -back weeks. But here's the problem. Kendrick Bourne is still at 83% snaps. Like, his role hasn't changed. So Ayuk is just playing the Debo Samuel role right now. And Debo's coming back soon. So, you know, Ayuk truly, three carries, 31 yards, and a score with eight targets, five uh, catches, and 70 yards. Like, that is the Debo Samuel role. And, okay, they drafted him in the first round. If And maybe uh, it's going to be more of a split thing between him and Debo, which is going to hurt. Debo, but either way, I think behind Kittle in this run first offense is going to be you know sparingly enough and inconsistent enough as we saw last year with Debo and Sanders. They can put they can put together big games because Kyle Shanahan can you know let anyone put together big games. But you know Trent Taylor and Sanu still plenty involved. I just think that's a situation where Ayuk uh, took advantage of there not really being many solid pieces in the offense other than Jarek McKinnon, and uh, he was kind of featured accordingly. But once we bring back Kittle and Debo, we're probably going to see you know a little bit lesser role for him, even if he can 
continues to make the most out of the opportunities. Uh, kind of similar thing uh, with Jeff Wilson here, where you know Jared McKinnon did dominate touches uh, until mop up time. I mean, you go to the early fourth quarter when they had a 29 to nine lead. McKinnon had 18 uh, combined carries and targets. Jeff Wilson was only at five, and he only finished with 30 percent of the snaps. Jamichael Hasty at eight percent. McKinnon did get a ribs injury though, and look, if he's going to be out and Mostert's going to be out and Coleman's going to be out, then okay, yeah, Jeff Wilson's next guy up, and now all of a sudden we can kind of slide him into that 50% plus snap and Kyle Shanahan RB1 role, and that's going to be a, a you know a good uh, a good thing to have if you're a fantasy manager. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be enough uh, if Mostert. If Moster and or McKinnon get back, you know, I still don't think Wilson's going to have enough touches, you know, in a more uh, not quite so positive game script uh, situation. Wilson is solid. I mean, he scored a lot of touchdowns and not that many touches last year. And he's doing it again in 2020. But I just think, uh, unfortunately, he's just not quite high enough on the depth chart once these other guys come back. And uh, last one here, Carlos Hyde. You know, he is the next man up. And if Chris Carson does have a severe leg injury, it doesn't sound that way. You know, it sounds like that he does have a chance to play uh, as early as this week. So, you know, if Carson is out and okay Hyde could be a plug and play but it's not going to be the same Chris Carson role we're already seeing that now where Hyde's at 26% snaps but Travis Homer's at 18% and you know Hyde's had 16 carries so only eight for Homer but they both had three targets so Carson the great role he's been having is almost like 60-70% snaps in the, all the pass down work but you know I wouldn't be surprised at all if Carson sidelined that they also make their rookie uh, fourth round pick DJ Dallas involved and he's more of a pass catcher than arguably either of these guys so a uh, situation where I, it's you know like a lot of these running backs around the league and you know, the Giants and these committees we talk about this all the time. Just because one guy gets hurt doesn't mean we should expect the backup running back to immediately have that role. So you know on an offense, a Seahawks offense that yeah is letting Russ cook and throwing the ball more than ever. I don't think Hyde is going to have enough overall touches to uh, you know flirt with that RB two territory if Carson misses time in Week Four. That is going to do it, everyone. I want to give one more quick sponsor shout out. Monkey Knife Fight, all first time depositors at Monkey Knife Fight. I put 20 bucks in their account. We're using promo code PFF. You get a free PFF Edge annual subscription. So listen, if you want a PFF subscription, just go to Monkey Knife Fight, pay $20, and you get the $40 value. And then you can use the $20 to go play the games on their website, the DFS and prop games. So hey, I mean, there's a good chance that you could turn that $20 actually into money and then have free PFF on the side. So PFF Edge annual subscription for a $20 deposit at Monkey Knife Fight. That's going to do it for the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, everyone. Thank you for listening. As always, I'm Ian Hardis. We're coming to you with new episodes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday throughout the season. Uh, we we're going to have some fu- a fun 16-game preview of Dwayne McFarland up on uh, Wednesday and then on... Uh, Thursday, I'll be talking to Action Network's Chris Raybon with some of your start sick questions and also top DFS picks. So good stuff coming up. I uh, hope you all enjoyed this Monday night game. And until next time, take care. 